When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to the Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Today on the Family Brain, I'll be talking to Lori Frankel, best-selling author, and author of three books, This Is How It Always Is, Goodbye For Now, and The Atlas of Love. I read all of her books, and I really enjoyed them. Actually, the first one I did not read. I listened to it on Audible, and This Is How It Always Is, and it's a really great Audible listen, too. So I was introduced to her work after a couple of different friends recommended that I read This Is How It Always Is. We had been talking about issues around transgender children and um the whole bathroom issue and that I live in Texas and it was really a hot topic or still is. And so this was a book that was recommended to me to help me understand a little bit better what might go on in the life of a family that is raising a transgender child. And what is so cool about this book is it's fiction, but it just, it's really depicts very typical family life with this one major issue that's significantly impacting the family. And what's so great about the way that she presents this is that, and this is why she called the book, This Is How It Always Is, that this is how family life is. You know, you don't have a recipe. You don't know all the time what you're signing up for when you you get married or find a partner or have a child or adopt a child or raise a child or care for an elderly parent. It's just this is a story about this particular family and what they're going through, but it helps to understand that unifying thread through all families, that there's always highs and lows and difficult times and people who see things the same way and people see who see things differently. And so I just love the way she sheds light on this very controversial and difficult topic sometimes, um, but makes it very understandable So I love talking to Lori. She is just super fun, and I just love the way she's so candid about her own life and speaks very clearly about how her struggles are not any different than any other families. It's just this is a specific set of challenges that her and her family are facing. So, Lori, I am so excited that you're willing to talk to me today because I 
listened to your book on Audible. Um, this is how it always is. And I just loved it. And it opened up, I don't even know where to begin. It Basically, it's about a family dealing with a challenge in their family life and uh, something that that we don't always know how to deal with. And I don't want to, I don't know how much to say about the, the book because it's so good and it's kind of fun, full of fun surprises, but it's really about family life and how so many things within families are more complicated than they might seem. And it gave me such a deeper understanding of, I don't know, just family life in general. Um, and it's funny because I keep talking about the book as it relates to all different topics and just the way families manage challenges. Um, so I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about what your background is and what brought you to write this book and sort of, yes, yes, I would be thrilled to, okay. um, thank you. I'm so glad you liked it. Um, Loved I'm so glad it. I spoke to you. I'm so, I mean, so, I'm so good. thrilled to hear it. Yeah. And you know, I didn't, I didn't read it, but the woman who did, did a really, really beautiful job. Um, it's funny hearing, hearing your words coming out of someone else's mouth. And so, oh, um, that's it was kind really of a, nice to listen to. Yeah. Because yeah, there's some yeah. books that I listen to that I'm just like, Oh, I can't listen anymore. You know, but right, she just right, made yeah. it beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She did a, she did a really great job. She did a really great job. Um, you know, your questions are indeed exactly, exactly the thing I was hoping to happen when I wrote the book. Um, that's where the title comes from. I feel like this is indeed how it always is. Um, it is true that it is it, that the, the youngest kid in this, in this book um, starts out as a boy and, and becomes a girl. And so um, there are definitely ways in which this is a book about a family with a transgender child. But, um, but I also felt when I came up with the idea that it was going to work really nicely as a metaphor. Um, most, most families will not have a transgender kid. Most families will have a kid who is sometimes gender nonconforming and all families will have a kid who is sometimes nonconforming, period, um, because sometimes kids are nonconforming. Right. And it seems to me that this is how it always is. You don't ever know quite what to do about it. Your situation is never exactly like anyone else's situation. And so you gather all the information you can, and it's never enough. And then you make a decision, and you see how it works out. Right. And it's never clear. Yes. <laughs> it's not like, oh, yes, that works great, or no, no, that was terrible. Right. It's always somewhere in the middle. And you're and always so making then, this decision with someone else, which is a whole nother mind bender. You know, it's not just and, you. Yes, sometimes. right. And on behalf of someone else. Right. Um, and it's terrifying. And um, and I feel like this is indeed how it always is. One of the things I was wed to with this book from the beginning was having five these five kids because um, it was the best way I could think of to show how all kids have some kind of challenges sometimes, and um, and and what of those challenges are things that um, we as as parents and as communities in the school system say, well, like okay, that's within the range of normal, versus the ones where we're like, no, no, a problem has occurred and it must be addressed. Um, but I, but you know, what is what is. Um, what I like about these these five kids is that they're all very different from one another, and they're all real weird in mm -hmm. different ways. And I just think that that is true of ch 
children, I, you know, I sit around with my, my friends who are parents, which is most of them at this point, and, um, and you know, and, this, and, they, and none of them are like, oh, my kid is totally normal and everything's fine right. and I'm not worried at all. Right. Like, not if we're going to be honest, we're all pretty weird, right? I mean, if you're really yeah, going to be right. honest. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so, um, you know, this, 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 this kind of, these children who, um, you know, who are transgender or, or who, or who are on a spectrum or, you know, any number of things um, that we suddenly are saying like, oh, this requires medical intervention. This requires um, accommodations. And, and sometimes it does and, and sometimes it doesn't. But what I thought was interesting going in are the times when we say that versus the times when we say, eh, you know what, that kid has this thing going on. Maybe that will be going on next week and maybe it will not. And we'll kind of go from there. Oh, I love that. And I mean, actually, the person who told me about this book, I'll give a shout out her. Hi, Jill. She told me about this book and she has um, two children who are diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And she felt such a connection with the book. And it wasn't the same, you know, quote unquote, like, like issue or struggle. Um, But I mean, she when I told her I was going to be talking to you, we lost our minds. She was like, no. Way. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, yes. thank you, Jill. Yes. Jill, you're Jill awesome. Goolsby. That is wonderful. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. Tons and tons. You have a fan yeah, club here in I... San Antonio. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Oh, I love it. I'd yep. love to have that. <laughs> so how did you how did you get the information for your book? How did you put the pieces together of what you wanted this family to look like and the challenges you wanted them to face? Yes, uh, research and editing is <laughs> the kind of short answers, I guess. Yeah. Um, I did a ton of research. I, I read a lot of books. I talked to some doctors. I talked to a lot of parents. I watched a lot of things online. Um, I flew to Thailand for a couple of weeks. I went and visited a clinic there, a border clinic there. Um, I did a lot of research in a lot of in a lot of different ways. Um, I lived some of it. I, I have a child who, who is transgender. So, um, so some of it, so some of it was sort of lived experience, although mostly not because the kid in the book is is older than my kid is now, and, and certainly was at the time when I wrote it. Um, so mostly that's made up, um, and and a lot of editing. I cut, I cut two hundred and fifty thousand words wow. from this book. So that's like two books, maybe maybe three, depending on how long your books are, um, before I before I kind of hit it. So um, you know, there were a lot of moving pieces, and move they did. Right. So a lot of them moved into the direction. I was laughing because <laughs> I read an article in which you were talking about how you did have a tr- you have a transgender child, but that the book is primarily fiction because your life is really boring and you don't want books to be boring. I thought that was such yes. a good way to put it. It's true, right? Yeah. Yeah. It it's it is. It is true and I'm really grateful for that. I mean, I have to um people have asked a lot why why it's not a memoir and indeed that's been my stock answer um cuz it would be a really short boring memoir. But but even more than that, I am really blessed that that's the case. I'm so grateful yes. that, um, that there just isn't memoir material here. And, um, and we've just been really, really lucky in that, in that way. And is your child comfortable with you talking about? You know, we have been very, 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 very careful right. <laughs> to, um, to keep names and photos off uh, off of everything um you know we sort of had to go back through social media before all of this happened and um and you know remove lots of names and pictures and um 
you know, and all of those things. We have been we have been really careful. My publisher has been incredibly, incredibly supportive. Okay. Um, it was the it was the it was the thing it was the deal that we made going in. It was yes. like, okay, how are we going to put this book out but protect my kids' privacy now and you know in the future? Right, so that, right. And it's hard to predict um, you know, what they will care care about exactly. in the future. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and what you know, never mind what the internet is going to look like in the future, you know. So, um, at the moment, it's less of an issue because everybody we know knows, and um, and she's out and proud, and that's fantastic. But you know, like someday she will go to college, uh, and what she will feel then, I just I have no idea. So, um, we have great, great effort has been made to, um, yeah, to, to just protect her, her anonymity and her privacy, uh, now and and in the future. Well, and it's interesting because I was talking to somebody today who, um, does work with teens and in schools. And she was saying that when I talk about issues related to, you know, LGBTQ plus to make a disclaimer almost at the beginning and say, this is, you know, 2018, these are the terms we use today. And because it's an ever evolving thing. So we could be talking and thinking we're being right on point with the language, but that it is an evolving language about how people refer to themselves. And so that was something I hadn't thought about, you know, I'm, I'm in 2018 and this is my, this is my current life. But, you know, if I were doing this 50 years ago, we'd be talking in a different way. Right. And that's really, really smart. That's so smart to ground it in in time and, you know, what to call out and say, like, these are the the generous, kind, thoughtful, requested, um, open-minded, tolerant, progressive terms at the moment. But they aren't going to be. and and they're going to change, and um, and to be open to that change, the language around this, particularly around these um, trans kids, is is changing by the moment, and um, and is and is going to continue to do so. You know, particularly because pronouns are hard in English, and um, and that is the that is the thing that's going to get figured out. Yeah, and we'll look back and probably think, oh, that was funny that 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 was an issue. I, I'm guessing, I, I you know that, that that things are just changing so quickly. Um, I think so too. Yeah, Yeah, I I absolutely think so. Um, You know, some, some change is hard and, and I suppose, you know, change is always hard, but this, this particular thing, I just think is going to go away and, and it's going to be one of those that we look back on and say, who cares? Why were we so worked up about that at all? And I think that, frankly, at the moment, the large extent of to which we are worked up about it, um, it's being whipped up. I, I don't think it's real, and um, I don't think it's honest, and I don't think it's necessarily being addressed honestly. And and so I think that that's part of it, too. Right. And I think that was another reason I loved your book so much because I don't feel like I and this is. I love reading about just things that happen in families and psychological memoirs and everything. And I didn't, I don't feel like I had read anything about a family going through a transition with a transgender child. And it was grounded in such like basic life, you know, going to school, friends. I mean, we end up talking about like more politics is what you hear about and decisions and legislation and not just sort of the day to day life of a person. And that just right. really opened my eyes to to a lot of things within that yeah. process. Yeah, and you know, it was part of the challenge of writing the book is that 
it's a few big moments, but mostly it's just like waking up every day and raising your kids, which again is great, but it doesn't lend for a lot of plot. Um, there's not a lot of drama in there because frankly, there's just not a lot of drama in it's surrounding this issue. All of the drama that there is, I think, um, you know, has been added afterwards for reasons which are, which are not, I do not believe forthcoming. I don't think they're honest. I don't think they're real. Um, so, so then, you know, then they become like really kind of minor issues and, and minor um, manipulations required to, to solve them. And that is very different than the narrative that we are given, um, you know, like in the media, for instance. Well, I'm just curious, like in all of your research, talking to families, what are some of the big sort of myths that people have or or stereotypes or things that you wish people knew about kids that are going through this process? You know, kids who are going through this process are for the most part just like all other kids. In fact, not even for the most part, I think full stop, just like all other kids. Um, and I think you have only to meet one before, before you realize that that is the case. Though I, I suppose the other way of looking at that is you have no doubt already met one. You just didn't know because you don't, you don't see them naked, which is a good thing. Um, but, but and, until that happens, um, you know, so that a lot of people, you know, say to me like, well, I've never met a transgender person. And what I want to say to them is, no, <laughs> you just did not know that you had met a, a transgender person. This is not, you know, a piece of information that was necessarily, you know, shared with you, but that doesn't mean that it was not the case. Um, I think that the thing that is changing now is that we have kids who are stepping up at younger and younger ages to say, hey, wait, this thing that you think is true about me, I don't actually think that that is true about me. And it and um, one of the questions that I've been getting asked all the time is like, why now? Is there something in the water? What is going on with all of these kids now? And the answer to that is, no, no, this was always true about kids. Mm -hmm. It's just that now parents are able, able to hear this without having a complete and total freak out. Right. So when a kid comes to their parents and says, and says the thing, you think I am a boy, but actually I don't think I'm a boy. I think I'm a girl. And the parents are like, that's disgusting and horrible to ever say that again. Then then kids won't say that again. But if you say, okay, well, you know, let's see what that is, then it turns out that lots and lots and lots of kids raise their hand and say, yeah, you know what, me too. Um, and maybe not in quite that way, maybe in somewhat of a different way, and we're learning to, to take all of that as, as a conversation as well, which also is a really, really good thing. And how did you, when you were going through this personally, tease out your own decision-making process and was it hard to have confidence in your decision or was it something that you sort of had to I, how did you how did you get so it sounds to me like you're very confident in your choices is that true yes, yes. I mean yes how do we become you, know, you? No. <laughs> yes well indeed <laughs> um you, what I what I want to say about it is that there was it was never it was never, um, there was never one moment of decision. It was lots and lots and lots of little tiny decisions, none of which seemed particularly 
momentous, at most of which did not seem particularly momentous at the time. Um, so, you know, I can look back and see things that, that um, you know, that in retrospect were maybe hints as to what was going on that I didn't recognize at the time and that just didn't seem to be that big of a deal. Um, and so, you know, when my at the time little boy came and said he wanted to play dress up and he wanted to be the princess and he wanted to wear a skirt, I said, oh, okay. I, you know, it, it, that did not strike me as as alarming or problematic at all in any way. And it is like that. It was just lots and lots of of small steps. Um, and and that is one of the wonderful things about kids knowing this thing about themselves and being able to tell it to their parents when they're young is that it, it doesn't require enormous lifestyle changes and enormous intervention. It's really, it's really just it, it, the way it always is. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's an everyday kind of a growing up sort of thing. You know, kids are changing all the time. So there was never a moment where, where I had to sit down and make a huge choice or agree to or forbid a huge choice that my kid was making. It was much more lots of, lots of little, lots of little moments that then, you know, added up to it was a pretty big change, but would have been a pretty big change anyway, because between five and six, you, you become a new human. No, that makes sense. I'm just thinking about my own parenting and how, again, that is how it always is where, you know, it's, it's not like I sat down and did this big research project about how to parent. A lot of it is just right. who I am. I mean, sometimes I, I think I need to, but um, it, you know, it's who I am plus who my child is plus what's right. going on in our particular environment. Um, right. And today. Ha- <laughs> yes, today. And was yeah. your community, have you always lived in a pretty supportive community? Would you say that makes a big difference? Yes, I think it makes an enormous difference. I think it makes all the difference. Um, and it certainly made it a really easy easy choice to make. That is, I think that there are a lot of people in lots of parts of this country and a lot of parts of this world where um, what the decisions you might make at home are a totally different question than, is my kid going to be safe out in the world? And my kid was going to be safe out in the world. Um, you know, we go to the, the public school that we're district to that's a mile from our house and they were they were totally supportive and on board but also trained up and knew what to do and had all the language surrounding it and also had already had um, trans kids go go through their elementary school so we were not the first we were not paving the way they were certainly much much readier than than we to um, you know to, to do this in the way that you know, you hope your your elementary school always is. You know what I mean? Like, dropping my kid off in kindergarten was terrifying because I never had a kid in elementary school before, but they did. <laughs> they right. ran an elementary school. They um, had the confidence you were lacking, basically. Yeah, yeah, they did. And and indeed, I live in a very, very wonderful, progressive part of the country, and that has, has made all the difference. Have you heard from families where that's not the case? And are there challenges that you've heard from them that that – you personally haven't gone through? Yes, absolutely. Safety yes. I think that, right, that there are lots of people who, I mean, there are lots of people who think that their kids are not safe. There are lots of people who write about that. Um, there are, um, I know lots of families who are divided where one parent um, is supportive, but the other parent is, is not. Um, I know, I know that there are lots of parts of the, the world where, um, 
you're you're having made this decision is not going to be supported by the rest of your community, um, school, church, neighborhood, you know, um, workplaces, all that that kind of stuff. Um, we are very very lucky. Have you have you come across any resources? So if there's an, a community that is not trained up in this area, have you come across yeah. resources or organizations that help? communities become better educated about these issues? Yes, absolutely. There's um and, and lots of them are on my website. Okay. So um people should go and, and look and look at it because um because there are tons of resources. There are tons and tons of resources. And you know, I mean this is sort of the the peril but also the beauty of the internet is that in fact you can have as 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 tight a community as you want. It just might not be people who you, you meet in person every day who might not live where you live. Um and so there are in fact lots of resources and connections to be made. Um they just they just are not always necessarily in person. That said, I also think that in fact, um because because this is true for so many families, um, it is becoming there are there are these communities all over all over the country. Um, so in fact, though I have linked to some national resources, I do think that that googling about where you live is probably step one. Um, you know, when I sat down and realized, like, okay, here's what we're dealing with, and and this is what's going on. It turned out that there was a support group in my zip code, and I just didn't know it because. Yeah, I had never needed it before. It had never occurred to me before. Right. And um, and I think that that is true all over this country at the moment. Yes, because it's nice to be able to connect with somebody online if it's not right there, but it's also really nice to sit across from someone who is maybe going through something similar. Yeah, absolutely. And to get the kids together. Oh, so, you know, right. so that your kids can play, that they yes. can, you know, I mean, and these kids are young enough that they need, you know, they need play dates. And, um, and you know, they're going to need one another support growing up as well. Um, one of the things that um, my friend, who is also a fan, um, was curious about was if you got any um, negative attention for your book. I mean, we obviously loved it. But and how did you did you need to develop tough tougher skin or did you already sort of have tough skin to begin with in in sort of approaching an issue that can be contentious even if you yeah. feel pretty confident in your own opinion? Right. Yes. Yeah, such a good question. Um, I have. I have such I have such thin skin as to have no oh. skin at all, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, you know the response to the book has been has been full of of love and gratitude and and positivity and that's fantastic. Uh, I have written a number of articles in in support of this book and and you know sort of talking about a lot of these issues um, and and those go out into um, into newspapers and, and magazines and into the world and they cause people to email me all sorts of hideousness mm. um, and social media uh, also um, just a lot of um, you know the nastiness that you would think lots of lots of hate mail some death threats um, some you know threats against my kid I mean it's you know, it's hideous. Um, it's, and it's, it's hard. I, you know, it's, I mean, in, um, in the one way it's easy because you just delete them. I don't, I don't engage them at all. Um, I delete them from my social media. I block them. I, I delete the emails. Um, and at the same time, it's, you know, it's difficult to, um, you know, to read that in your inbox. Yeah, <laughs> it's just for a, sure. It's a tough thing. And, you know, it's, um, it, it's usually like I know when these articles come out, so 
you know, so I, I can kind of gear up for it. I, it. It's not a very thick skin sort of thing, but it it is sort of like, okay, this thing is going to post today, and that is going to, you know, result in in all of these things, but then it's going to die down, and it, it does. The response to the book, the people who have actually, you know, read the book um, has been has been incredibly, incredibly positive, and I'm really, really grateful for it. And I think you wrote it in such a way that even people who I think would think they might not be on board with this. Like, you know, maybe this this is not something that affects me or affects, you know, is not sure. something I'm open to, I guess. I think you wrote it in such a way that it's just so relatable that even people who, who would sit and t- take the time to read it would maybe have their minds changed. I really think yeah. it was so nicely. It wasn't, I don't know, there's just something really special about the way you put this family together. So I think... I don't know. I want another one. Can we do another one? No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. I yes. thank you for that. I hope so. Yes. I hope so. I hope so. Um, that, that no is, pressure, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but that is my hope that people who, you know, who who aren't sure what they think yes. will, um, you know, will find the book and 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 come down and come down on the side of love. I I hope. You know, I don't. I, 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 I think that the, the way in which this issue is often presented is much more controversial than it is in life. I think that, and I guess I also think that like so many, many things about parenting, what you think you would do when faced with a situation, which you would actually do when faced with a situation, <laughs> yes. are like not the same thing, right? Like right. before I had a child, I was like, oh, we will nap on a schedule and yes. <laughs> we will eat healthy foods and everything. And then, you know, you have an actual kid and you're like, oh, yeah, no. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, because the theory of parenting and the reality of parenting are miles apart from one another and I just believe that the number of parents who are going to say to a child if you if this is who you are then I won't love you anymore have to be very very few I don't I just don't see how you can say that to your to your child and um and and what I think is the I think that the, the answer that people have kind of queued up for that is like, well, I would just say no, and then my child's behavior would change, and and my and so then my follow question is, well, you think that, but in fact, this isn't behavior, so it isn't going to change, and when it doesn't, then are you still going to toe that line? And I and I just think people aren't. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, kids who are rejected within their families are often the kids that either go into depression and oftentimes attempt suicide because they just don't feel that they belong anywhere. If your family is your, your, your sort of home base and you don't feel safe in your home base, it's hard to feel like you might be safe out in the world or or productive or enjoy life. Yeah. Or supported or loved or anything. Um, yeah. I was talking to somebody this morning about, um, this interview that I had done with about LGBTQ issues. And um, there was a man, an interview I listened to, and this guy was saying that a lot of times the more extreme examples within this community get a lot of press because he's like, I mean, because I'm just a gay guy and we're just going to the container store and that's not that interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was such a good way to put it because, you know, I mean, it's true. You're not going to have like on the news 
two men go into the container store, you know? Right. Yes, because there's no news story there. Right. Indeed. And, you know, the news that, that we get all the time, you know, the the um, this, the issue that we are encouraged to latch onto is this issue of, of bathrooms and locker rooms. And it just simply doesn't exist. Um, I live in Washington State, and we've had productions on the books for a dozen years without incident. Like, not, like, not even one, not even occasionally. It's never Ever, ever happens, um, you know, this this um, scenario that they're floating where it's like, oh, well, what, what would happen is that um, men would dress up like women and go into girls' locker rooms and, and sexually assault them. This is like just literally never happened. And, you know, and yet we're, we're putting it to a vote as if it is this enormous issue. Right. It's not it's not an enormous issue. It's not. It's not a small issue. It's just not an issue. Um, but it, but right. That's that's boring. There's a lot to talk about there, um, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. Yes, <laughs> it's yes. just going to take us all a little while to get our heads around. Well, and I'm in Texas, so we're just catching up with all. I mean, we've got all kinds of exciting things happening, I, I, which I'm not super current on, so I shouldn't even speak to. But I just know that we're a little tend to be a, a little behind the current of the rest of the country in some respects. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, it's scary. These, the bathroom things and the locker room things, like, it's scary, but the reason it's scary is because we are being scared. You know, like, they're telling us scary stories. Those stories aren't, aren't true stories, and so then I'm, like, doubly angry. I'm angry because they're lying, and I'm angry because they're trying to make me be afraid of something that actually – isn't, isn't happening, isn't a problem. Um, and that, that itself seems to me to be a problem. I think it's a, you know, it's a voter turnout ploy and, um, and, and that, and that doesn't work. So I'm curious what, say we know someone in our community that's going through this, what would you say is a good way if, if we're not going through it ourselves, but a good way to support someone else who is going through this process and sort of better love a family that is carrying this decision-making process. This thing, yeah. Yeah, I know. You Sometimes know, I, my words don't yeah, really, right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do think that it probably varies enormously family to family like anything else. Um, you know, there are certainly families who will need a lot of, of love and support um, and, you know, and a willingness to show up and, and all of those things. And I think there are other families for whom, like, this is not a big deal and the best way to support them is to not make a big deal of it. Um you know, not ask a lot of questions, not talk about it all the time, um, you know, kind of let them kind of let them lead. And I guess that's that's probably a question of, of feeling them out and probably a question of, of the community that they're in. Um, you know, listening to people is a really great place to start. They will tell you what what pronouns they want to use and what name they want to go by. Um, they will tell you what you know, what they want to talk about and what they do not want you to ask them about. And, you know, respecting that seems like the the way to go. And and then of course I also want to say, well, sure, that's that's true about all things <laughs> with, with with all humans. Um so, you know, show up, be a friend. Um, you know, it's kind of my 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 easy answer to that question. Um but but in this case in particular I think that um people are embarrassed sometimes or they think you might be embarrassed. They don't want to ask you questions because because you might be embarrassed. Um and you know, and I, I 
find it for the most part not to be true, particularly for kids who are really happy to talk about anything at all. Um, and you know, I suppose <laughs> to a fault, the other thing right? is worth. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Hey, exactly. Let's reel it in. <laughs> yeah. In fact, if yeah. you could come over at midnight, that would be a great time to talk about all <laughs> these things. <laughs> um, and you know, I think that the other thing that's worth mentioning is often adults think like, "Well, I understand this, but this is really complicated, and I don't think my kids are going to understand it." Um, and in fact, that's not true. Kids get their heads around this immediately. Um, they aren't confused about it at all. They aren't upset about it at all. Um, so, so the thing to do is to, to take the worry about, you know, about your friend's children's off the table. And what would you say to someone? I, I don't I know if you've been, if this situation has arisen, but if someone is saying something like, well, yeah, my child wanted to wear dresses, but then they changed their mind and kids change their mind. And yeah. you know, that sort of the pushback, well, maybe we're over overdoing it by listening to what they're saying. What do you say to that? Yeah, that's a different thing. And to that, I say yes. And, and that's why I say yes, that's a different thing. Because yes, absolutely, 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 yes. It is, it is wonderful for people to say, well, my son likes to wear dresses when he plays dress up, but that doesn't make him a girl. That's, that's right. That is absolutely true. That does not make him a girl. That is, that is wonderful. We should 100% be letting boys wear dresses if that is what they feel comfortable in and not saying, well, that makes you a girl or that turns you into a girl or now we have to change your pronouns or gosh, I wonder if you're transgender or any of those things. It doesn't, it doesn't mean any of that. And, and it's silly to think so. Um, the the wider range of things which we say that's that's wonderful that's normal i feel great about that the happier we all are um but this is a different thing than that or maybe it's not even but and this is a different thing than that um and there's some extent to which that's how that's how we know that's that's the difference between um, gender nonconformity and, um, you know, or even just, you know, um, not being a stereotype and, and transgender. These are just, they're wildly different things. And, um, and that's great. That's, that's fantastic. And I think that's all, that's all good. It seems like sometimes we want to go all in or all out, right? Like one, it, it, all these things can be true is what you're saying, you know, yes. and, and that's yes. where yes. we sometimes have discomfort. We want it to be black and white and there's all different, you know, situations yeah. going on. Yeah. And, you know, I suppose the other thing that's, that I always, that I always try to keep in mind is I only ever see my, my, my friends, kids or my kids, friends for a small a small part of their life the only kid you you really know is is the one you live with which is good news because that's the kid who's who is your responsibility you know your kid is the one who you know best and and that kid is the one who who you are both responsible for but able to make decisions for and so you know i think to the extent where you're saying like oh well i saw that kid you know in the hallway after school and you know, there, and I think he was more like this than this, or I thought she needed to be more. You know, that's just being kind of judgy, and I, um, I find it pretty easy to let that go um, with parenting, just because I think it's so so particular to your your life and your household um, that when 
you know, that I hope that if the people who, who want to say like, well, that's not the decision I would make if that were my kid, that's right. But this isn't your kid. <laughs> so this wouldn't be a good decision for your household, but it is a good decision for, for mine. Right. No, I love, I mean, you're very encouraging too, just in the confidence of trusting your gut. You know, it sounds like, yeah. you know, and knowing the person you live with and and understanding that you can read all the research and all the stories about other people, but that you are the expert on the person that lives in your home. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I know, right. You know Fingers what, anyone else. Right. Yes. That, that's, yeah. that's a better way to put it. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I need some training manuals on a couple of kids that I have, but, um, what, um, yeah, for sure. are there any things that you were sort of hoping I would ask you more about that I haven't asked you about? Uh, nope. I think no. you, uh, I think you hit it. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I was reading about, and I don't know if this is something you talk about or not, that your child was adopted. Is that anything yes. you would like to talk about or not really? Yes, I mean, yes, okay, okay. I'm, I'm thrilled to talk about that. Okay. Um, so my first book, um, which is called The Atlas of Love, is a novel about a, a woman who who kind of takes as her own, takes on as her own a child who is, is not hers. And when I got to the end of writing that, I was saying to my husband, this is a really great idea. We should adopt a baby. <laughs> um, and in general, you usually write books that are you know, about something you have been through rather than causing you to think that it's something that you should do. But yes. I like basically talked myself into it. I'm like, right. look how happy she is. And he's like, well, you know, you did this make that up. This person I created. Yeah. <laughs> not, not and her husband is very um, supportive. <laughs> you know, this is another one of those, I don't know, one of those things that I just believe to the tips of my toes. Like there are just all sorts of really, really wonderful ways to make a family. And again, the more of them we think of as being normal and in fact wonderful and that we can celebrate them, the, the happier we are for everyone. At the moment, most of the people who adopt in this part of the world do so because they do not have a choice. And, um, and I get that, and I think that's great. And I also think it's really great for, for people to, you know, get pregnant and, and do that if that is what they want to do. But it isn't the only possibility. There are other, there are other possibilities. There are other choices. Um, it, isn't, it isn't right for everybody, but it isn't, it isn't wrong for everybody either. It doesn't have to be this, like, last-ditch thing that we're settling for. Um, and, you know, I mean, I sort of say it flippantly, like, oh, I came up with this thing because I wrote about it. But I had, therefore, been thinking about it for years and years and years and years and kind of trying it on and embodying it because I was, I was writing about it. Um, and then my husband and I talked and talked and talked about it, and we just kind of felt like there were kids out there who need a parent, and we wanted to be a parent, so we should have one of those. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it is much, much easier said than done, which is a wonderful thing, um, because because all parties have to be have to be protected from all sorts of of things. However, um, you know, we did a lot of research, and we we figured out the way to do it um, in a way that was good for for everybody. Um, and, you know, and it is just, uh, and, and I mean, I think, I think as I, as I am often saying, this is how it always is, mm -hmm. you know, um, roughly 15 minutes after, after this child was, was given to me, I, you know, I, I was in, I mean, I, you know, you, um, I, it, 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 I don't want to say this. It doesn't seem to me to be necessarily a biological imperative, um, 
in ways which are very romantic and also, you know, in this like, well, I'm a mother and she's my daughter and all of these ways, but also in the, like they give you this baby and this baby is screaming and crying and needs to be fed and needs to be changed and that isn't anybody's responsibility but yours. And so then you become a parent really quickly. Um, and and that is also a, a wonderful way to do it. Um, so not the only way, but one that I wish were on more on the table, something that we talked about about more often. See, and it's some, I have this adoption novel in me. It's not, it's not the next one, but it might be the one after that. It's, um, I, I have to kind of figure, it's, it's a very similar problem where you're like, well, this is just normal and there's nothing interesting to say about it. So you have to figure out, you know, where the plot is in, in what is otherwise just kind of living your life. Um, you know, they, we live in a city. There are lots of kids who are adopted. There are lots of kids who um, are are not necessarily the same race as both of their parents. Um, Seattle, like 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 much of Texas, actually, there is um, is one of the more uh, diverse as far as like inter interracial marriages and therefore interracial you know, kids. Um, so there's a lot of diversity, you know, in that front, that is the fact that she doesn't necessarily look exactly like us um, is not something that is causing all of the kids in her class to like stare at her or any, any stretch of anything like that. You know, it is also true that she does more or less look like us um, in that we are white people with dark eyes and dark hair. And she is a Korean person with dark eyes and dark hair, you know, and um, I remember having a conversation with her very, very early where I was fishing for this, like, is this upsetting to you? Do you, are you upset that you don't look like me? And like for her life, she could not understand yeah. in what way she didn't look like me. And, you know, she had a little friend who has red hair, you know, cause that's the kind of stuff that skips a generation and her parents don't have red hair. Um, you know, her, and, and she didn't look anything like them, but, but she was born onto them. And, you know, so she doesn't, she doesn't totally get those distinctions. And again, those are things like we, we grow up, we become adults and we start to see those things, but kids don't, right. she has black hair and I have black hair and her father has black hair and the dog had black hair. <laughs> like, you know, that's, that's about as far as it went for her. I, um, I have this picture of her looking at you while you're asking her these questions. It's like, is she okay? Like what's wrong with my mom? <laughs> she, yeah, I mean, she's got me, a lot of hangups. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, and that comes from, you know, indeed like me reading websites and me reading parenting books and like, Oh, your kid is going to be upset about this. And this is, and maybe she will, you know, as she grows up, who knows what she's going to get upset about and get her head around. But I will say that, you know, all of the, um, the, the work that we did to get ready to adopt was all about how are you going to raise this child? who's a different race and a different nationality and, um, you know, and was born in a different part of the world. And, and, and she's going to be really upset about this and all of this stuff. Well, then it turned out that she was transgender. And, you know, we just weren't, that wasn't what we had studied up on. Like, mm -hmm. that wasn't what we Plot were prepared twist, for. Right? And that's what parenting is. Yes. <laughs> it's never what you prepare for. Yes. It's always something else instead. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of this about your work and about your family life. And I just think you have such a really unique perspective on how families work together. And like you said, how it always is. I mean, I think that's what's so beautiful. And the more podcast interviews I do, the more I realize that it's really all the same. It's like you're talking about yeah. different details and different right. surface. But underneath yeah. it all is people who want to be known to each other and not feel alone. 
in whatever they're yeah. going through. And that that's Isn't that amazing? It's, it yeah. is amazing to me. And it's like, I think I knew that on a certain level, but the more I talk to people, the sure. more I know it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely. The more you talk to people, you think, oh, that's exactly like me, even though it's nothing at all like me. Right, right. And, and that's really, really a good thing, I think, and certainly very interesting. Yes. And I think what sometimes holds us back from having these conversations is fear of not knowing it all. Well, nobody does. Yeah. Even the people who are no. at the top of their field in whatever category right. are still learning. And so I think if you yeah. can go into conversations, kind of being open to what you can learn, it, it usually you'll be met with, you know, someone who is happy to explain, you know? So yeah. I appreciate you taking the time. You, the, oh, this is my last question. This is what I always okay. ask um, the last question on this podcast. We're talking about the family brain and keeping the family brain healthy. So I always end with what is self-care that you do for yourself to help keep your own brain healthy as you're managing your family life? Oh, <laughs> boy, that shouldn't be the hardest question you ask, right? And yes. Well, um, maybe it's a prompting question that you can go off into the universe and explore. Right. Yourself, but... um, I read a lot. I read, I read constantly. I read all the time. Um, I even read while I'm writing. Like I, I, I write with a with a book in my lap, um, and that's that for me is doing exactly what you're talking about. It's this like there are other things going on. There are there are other people in the world. There are other stories. There are worlds outside my own. There are worlds I haven't even imagined yet, and um, and yet the people who are living in them are are people who are experiencing the same sorts of you know fears and doubts and, and ups and downs and all of that as as I um, that is what keeps me sane and, and educated in the um, and not I guess obsessing over over my my family and its brains because right. though it is a good thing to think about obviously it also is one of those things like I have not thought about anything but my child in the last 48 hours and that's that's not good for anybody no. um you know like these times where you kind of look up and realize I'm just obsessing over this thing I have no control over and um and no ability to do anything about that I need to just you know kind of let go um so that is what I do I read oh, books I love that. what are you reading right now yeah. Uh, I am reading the new Derek Miller book, which is called uh, American by Day, which is a sequel to a book he wrote called Norwegian by Night, which I also loved. Both of these books, really beautiful. Loved them both. Ooh, and while I'm plugging out. books, yes, um, The it. Great Believers. I just finished um, Rebecca Mackay's book, The Great Believers, and I really, really loved that book, too. Oh, good. I have your yeah. email address. I might have to just constantly email you and see what you're reading oh, so I can get ideas. Absolutely. It's actually my superpower. I'm a very oh, good book recommender. Good. I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. so glad I asked. Well, thank you so much. I hope I get to meet you in person one day because I just have loved Me talking too. to I you. I hope that. So I will yeah. uh, keep in touch and harass you about okay. what books you're reading. But thank you so much for sharing everything you know. I appreciate it. And I think it'll help people listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.